0: I want to ask you guys a question, what would you say if you knew you were just hours away from death? You ever thought about that? You know, if you're on your deathbed and you knew you only had a couple hours left, who who would you want to talk to? What would you want to say? You know, you think it'd be something from the most truest part of you, right? Something sentimental, something really deep. In some cases, last words can be funny though, like comedian and actor Bob Hope, do you guys know who Bob Hope is or was? Yeah, some of the older generation maybe. Yeah, his last words were when his wife asked him where he wanted to be buried, he said, surprise me. (laughs) And some words can be ironic. Do you guys know who General Karl Marx was? In his final battle, he was standing supposedly on the battle, on the back of the the battlefield, and he said, they couldn't hit an elephant from this disc. And he couldn't even finish his sentence. Um, And then sometimes they are sentimental. You guys know who P.T. Barnum is? I'm a fan of him. And his last words to his wife were, I want you to know that all of my final thoughts are with you. Isn't that sweet? (laughs) Yeah, but my most favorite final words don't come from some celebrity on their deathbed. You guys know who they come from? Any guesses? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his final moments on the cross. So we're going to be talking about those this morning. They give us insight into the deepest part of Jesus' heart, and I love getting moments in scriptures where we get to see his, um, the way he feels for us, the way he loves for us, right? And the inside of his heart, truly what his mission was here on earth, we get to see that in his words. And they're shocking, but they're really beautiful. And they get to show us wisdom and compassion. From watching Jesus die, we get to learn things about God that otherwise we may not have ever realized or known. And we also get to learn a lot about how we get to live, Right? And so if you guys have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in John chapter 19, so if you want to go ahead and flip there, we're going to be in verses 28 through 30. Give you guys just a second to flip there. In John chapter 19, verse 28 through 30, it says, later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it, the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Three words in our language, in English, but back in the original Greek, it was only one word, and that word was tetelestai. And perhaps that's the single greatest, most beautiful word ever. No other word can show us the greatness of Jesus or the mercy of God when you know what it truly means. Now, in Greek, it's used in regards to, like, a debt being paid. So it says accomplished or paid in full or finished. And it was always used as a happy or victorious word. And it was used in good context, but there's a particular definition being used here in John helps us see the heart of Jesus. die describes a debt that's been paid in full, right? And so back in the days of the Bible, when you incurred a debt that you couldn't pay, they threw you into what was called debtor's prison. Have you guys ever heard of debtor's prison before? Some of you maybe. And they would write down an itemized list of all of the debts that you had owed, right? You can ignore my misspelling of judgmental. Again, I'm not perfect. <laughs> That's proof. <laughs> I'm sure some of you guys noticed that. Um, but, so they would write down all of the debts that you had owed, and you could never leave prison until each of those debts had been paid off, which begs the question of how in the world were you supposed to pay off debt but when you were in prison, right? You couldn't do it when you were out of prison and able to work. So how were you supposed to pay off those debts chained up in prison, right? And it's pretty simple. You just couldn't. You couldn't pay them off on your own, so the only way you could get out of debtor's prison was if someone else came and paid those debts on your behalf, right? So they came and paid those debts for you, and after paying them off, they would take your list of debts, and they would write one word across the top of them. Can you guess what that word was? Tetelestai, and that meant debt paid in full. It meant they could no longer hold those debts against you, they were saying, hey, here's your freedom, but not only here's your freedom from prison, here's your safety. You now have this receipt showing that your debts are paid in full. It says, to tetelestai across it. They can never accuse you of owing these debts ever again. And so tetelestai was the final word that Jesus spoke on the cross. And there's not just a uniqueness in the meaning of the word, the tense that John uses in this scripture is really cool. And so it shows not only a point in time in which this debt was paid, it shows that it continues to be paid. It continues to be paid. And it just shows the essence of what Christ came to do. He came to finish God's work of salvation in us, and not just finish it then, but to continue to finish it forever. And so our salvation gets to last forever, and that's amazing. He came to pay it in full, the entire penalty of our sins, and not only that, but our sacri- his sacrifice still stands today, and that's amazing. But to really fully understand the sacrifice of Jesus, we need to go back and look at where sin began, right, and how God dealt with sin before Jesus. So we're going to look. Have you guys ever, any of you guys ever read the book of Leviticus before? Yeah, some of you guys? It's a pretty complicated, dense book. It's got some language that can be a little hard to understand. But in a nutshell, it just is showing this God's work of putting, um, it's his way of setting up this sacrificial system to be forgiven for our sins, right? So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. It's teaching them to sacrifice animals and their blood representing the forgiveness of their sins because we know that God couldn't just commune with unholy people, right? God is just, and because he's just, there had to be payment for sin, right? But God is also merciful, right? And so because God is merciful, he provided a way in which the blood that had to be shed in payment for sin didn't have to be his people's. And so the book of Leviticus was about the sacrificial system, and it was called atonement, right? Have you guys ever heard of that word? Some of the kids may not have. It's a big, pretty big word. But it just means that the payment of sin that was required has been satisfied, Right? And in Leviticus chapter sixteen, we get this detailed picture of what was called Yom Kippur. And it was called the Day of Atonement. it was this huge day. It was the best day, the happiest day of the year, because it was the, the holiest day of the year, because on this day their sins were dealt with. Right? And so the high priest, this is really cool, he would take two goats and present them before God at the door of the tabernacle. And the priest would sacrifice the first goat right there on the door, and he would take this goat's blood, and he would take it in, and he would sprinkle it over God's mercy seat in the tabernacle. And that represented the payment of sin being satisfied. And so the first goat was sacrificed there, and then the second goat— this is really cool, I love this part— the second goat, the priest would take him out, and he would put his hands on his head, both hands on this goat's head— and what they would do is they would confess their sins of the people over this goat. And then after everybody's sins had been confessed into this goat, they would take this goat out into the wilderness, far from where they lived, and they would let it go. All right? And so that represented the shame and the guilt and the sins of the people being taken away from them and transferred to a substitute. Right? And so that goat would just wander the wilderness until it eventually died. Leviticus 16.22 says the goat shall bear their iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat free in the wilderness. And it represented all of their sin, shame, guilt, and consequences disappearing as well with that goat. And so the first goat was a picture of the payment God demands for sin being satisfied. And the second goat was a picture of the guilt and the consequence of sin being removed from his people and transferred to this goat, the substitute but there was a problem with this. It was just a picture, right? It didn't actually fulfill what needed to happen. It just represented what needed to be happened. And so that begs the question, well, what happened to all those people that confessed their sins unto these goats? Are they saved? Were they not saved? You know, what happens to all these people? Because in Hebrews 10.4, it says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, right? So that kind of leaves us a little bit confused It doesn't really make any sense. If it's impossible for them to take away their sins, how are those people really saved? I used to work for Target. Are there any Target lovers in here? Yeah, (laughs) I see you. Yeah, a couple. I'm a little disappointed. I didn't see that many hands. (laughs) There's not one very close, so I guess that that works. But I used to work for Target, and when I first started, I got talked into what they call a red card. You guys ever heard of their red card before? (laughs) Yeah. So basically, it's just a Target exclusive red card, like credit card that gives you an extra 5% off your purchases when you use it. And my parents always warned me against credit cards and their dangers if you're not responsible, but I was 19 and way smarter than them. So (laughs) I went ahead and signed up anyways. Um, And I really loved it because not only did I get a discount because I'm being responsible mom and dad, right? But I also got to take the items home with me without actually having to pay that day. And that seemed really cool because I didn't have to worry about money coming out of my bank account immediately. But if you're not careful, you start getting bills showing up the next month, right? And if you don't pay them, those bills have interest, and you can get into a lot of trouble. Um, But the Old Testament sacrifices, they were a lot like a credit card transaction. Every time God's people would make a sacrifice for their sins, every time these goats were sacrificed, it was like making a charge against God's account, right? It was like taking a credit card and making a charge against his account, and the blood of the bulls and goats, while they weren't an actual payment, it all depended on God paying the bill later, right? And so, yes, they were forgiven, but they had to have faith that God would pay their bill later, and that's where Jesus comes into play, right? Perhaps one of my most favorite insights into the final words of Jesus comes from the verse we find in Mark 15, verse 37. It says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last and according to many Bible scholars, this loud cry were those same words that John wrote. "Die! it is finished. Church, those who are defeated go out quietly, right? But God did not go out quietly. Jesus did not die quietly. He claimed his victory out loud for the entire world to hear and made every evil force have to flee. He did not go quietly quietly. He said, my work is done, accomplished, paid in full. Can I get my two volunteers up here, Callie and Cassidy? Yeah, they're going to help me show you guys something really quick. Church, we have racked up a debt we could never pay. We have a bill that we owe. Callie, if you want to come stand behind me. Callie's going to represent our debt, okay? Okay, you're going to stand behind me, and when when I step, you step with me. And no matter how many times we try to get away from our bill, right, no matter how many times we um, try to run from it, no matter how long ago it happened, no matter what we're doing, if we don't have God, that shame and guilt is following us, right? Without Jesus, Satan, the enemy, is always going to hold that over our heads. But when Jesus comes into the play, Jesus, you're going to stand right here, and puts his arms out on that cross and says, tetelestai, it is finished, that can no longer follow us. That is no longer able to be held over our heads. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. What happens to this list? In Colossians 2, 13 through 14, it says, and you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with Christ, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling out that debt and labeling it tetelestai, paid in full. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. The legally binding record of our debt only exists there now. If you have come to Christ and asked him to be a part of your life, that shame and guilt can no longer be held over your head. The enemy has no power over you anymore. You are free, paid in full, and you can live your life And the purpose that God has given you. But some of you guys are stuck in this endless cycle of guilt and shame. Circumstances, maybe in or out of your control, have haunted you, and the enemy likes to wake you up in the morning with that hanging over your head already. And it paralyzes you, it it makes you scared, right? But it's time you stood up and cried out Yes, I know I am guilty. I did all of that. You're not lying right now. You are right. But that no longer belongs to me. It belongs to the cross. Amen. You cannot scare me with that list. It is nailed to the cross. It has no more power because it is stamped to tell us die. I have a receipt on the cross that shows I don't owe that debt anymore. Some of you may think you're unworthy or uneducated or un talented in some way to fill in some of the needs that we have here in Orchardville or just in your life, the purpose that God has given you, you feel scared to follow. But church, those are the exact formula God needs to do something mighty. He has the power to use you if you would just let him, right? If you would just step up and step out of fear, right? Just have the courage to go forward in bravery and see what God can do for you. I promise you it's rewarding. So if you're ready to claim victory over what is holding you down this morning. I want you guys to stand and sing this song as loud as you possibly could. You guys know this song. I wanna hear you sing it louder than I've ever heard you guys sing before. And if you'd like to come to this altar and receive some prayer, or if there's a decision you've really been needing to make that you've been putting off because you're scared or you just don't know what's gonna change in your life and that, that, that makes you nervous, there is a whole church of people here who want to love you and pray for you and build you up and hold you up in that purpose, you just have to come forward and tell us. You just have to let God change your life. You have to say, okay, I'm done. It's nailed to the cross. Let's start this new life. So I want you to take this opportunity to come forward and finally nail your debt to the cross and feel the freedom that only comes from the victory of Jesus.